1: This is the Four Corners podcast.
0: I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've said that to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. a way to Worthy, Worthy, five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court Carolina. Short. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot. Short, rebound, May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot. That's it, the Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years and the way that we will play will be the carolina way
1: my love for north carolina i mean i love this school i love these fans and i love everything about it and i would i would die for this school i really would
0: here are your hosts josh marlowe and anthony Pagnata.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here uh, once again with you guys today as I have another great interview for you. As John Crispin, college basketball analyst, you've heard him on the show uh, the last couple of seasons. Works for ESPN, former Penn State basketball player. Uh, Fortunately, he was on the team that beat Carolina in the NCAA tournament Back in 2001, but he's become a good friend of the show And he joined me ahead of the start of the season To talk about the off-season Carolina had And if the Tar Heels are poised to bounce back This upcoming season I am now joined by college basketball analyst John Crispin John, good morning man, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm
0: good. I'm good. Look, it's November. We're we're close to tipping things off, and and I don't know. This is this is a great time of year for me. It, part of it is it's college basketball season. The other part is I, I become relevant again as a college basketball analyst. so It's good <laughs> to be here.
1: Well, you, you're you're always relevant to to me. Uh, you're always relevant to my audience. Even though, like I mentioned uh, when I when I was in, introducing you you beat us in the 2001 NCAA tournament. But I think it's all forgiven because you grew yeah. up, you know, loving Carolina basketball like you rightfully should. And, you know, it's 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 okay because a lot of people grow up wanting to play for Carolina. You got to grow up and beat Carolina. So in a lot of different yeah. ways, you know, you got to live your dreams. And um, I, I can't believe the offseason is already over. I can't believe in 72 hours we're going to be watching college basketball game. And, I, and, and you told me before we got on the phone here, a pretty busy off season for you. You added a new a member to your family, so congratulations. You're you're Thank renovating you. your house, like so. It wasn't even an off season for for, for the Christmas, It sounds like.
0: Yeah, yeah, we tried to we try to pack a lot in the off season, and when you're renovating a house, it never goes according to plan. So, <laughs> when when you think that you're going to be done by the time the baby's born, by the time season starts, you're out of your mind. You're crazy, and I'm learning that right now. So I'm enjoying my time living with my parents. Who live two blocks away from where we live, so it's it's all good. It's going to be a wild season, and and frankly, I I think the off season may be even more wild than the actual season, given the transfer portal, NIL, all this movement, all the things we're trying to figure out by the time seasons actually start.
1: Now that's uh, that's a really good point. Look, this Carolina basketball program, kind of like your house, it, it underwent a renovation this yeah. off season after. You know, basically a disappointing, um, I refer to it as the biggest failure in, in Carolina basketball history last season, starting preseason number one, missing the NCAA tournament, opting to skip the NIT. When you look at what went wrong for the Tar Heels on the court last season, what was the biggest reason they failed to reach any of their preseason goals? Well, look, I think it
0: comes down to what made them successful the year prior, right? And what, to me, what made them successful is they figured out how to capitalize on the use of Brady Manic, the spacing of Brady Manic, where you got this the, this inside-out, outside-in type of spacing where R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, even Leaky Black could make plays because they had room. And they never really figured that out with Pete Nance. They didn't have the spacing. They weren't as efficient offensively when they needed to be because they also want to play with pace. And, and to be able to play with pace, you also have to have efficiency, and defensively, they were just always a step behind. So if you're a step behind defensively, you're lacking efficiency on a, a fast and potent offense, you're going to struggle. And I think part of it was you couldn't come up with big baskets and big stops when you needed them. And and you realize that while it was disappointing, if you go back and watch, you, you, you realize you're only a few possessions away in each game. And, and sometimes those possessions are, are game moments where it's like, did you capitalize on that moment where you started to get control did you take a good shot? And the answer was no. Did you get selfish at times? The answer was usually yes. And I think that's what you saw. They didn't really learn from the previous year what made them really good and what made them dangerous. It got a little bit more self-centered last year. It felt like that at least. Um, whereas I feel this year, this year's team, you come back with the foundation pieces. You know, in, in R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, these are guys that you can trust. They've been through highs. They've been through lows. And when I hear Armando Baycott talk about how proud he was that they were better on defense, you know, in an exhibition, better in defense in, a, in, a, in one of those closed scrimmages, I, I think those are the things you want to hear. Because what that establishes is it establishes an understanding, a wisdom, right, experience in Armando Baycott. But also it, it understands – it establishes leadership, and that's something that, that I think a lot of us have been waiting for is who are gonna be the real leaders on this team. For Armando Bakut to step up and talk about and celebrate defense, I think that's a that's a good sign for, for the type of leader he's gonna be this year.
1: When you when when you look back at last year, and if 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 you think differently, you can feel free to tell me. I felt like Pete Nance was misused. And I thought after the Notre Dame road win that Carolina got, they kind of played old school Carolina basketball with three around yep. two do you think if Carolina would have used Pete Nance the way maybe Roy Williams would have used him, and you know put him maybe at the free throw line as a high low passer and operate from 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 that area of the court offensively, the the offense would have been more efficient.
0: Yeah, look, I I think you could have used a guy like Puff Johnson that way too. Um, you you could play perceivably small, but ultimately what you're doing is you're bringing length around the perimeter defensively, uh, versatile length where you can switch a lot more, be be more. I don't know, just just be more challenging to go against defensively. You know, take breaks at times by switching. So you you play a smaller lineup in that sense, but then you go high low from the three point line top of the key in. That that seems to be where they had the most success because you couldn't commit to one or the other. You know, you had to play backside help with guards and then a skip pass led to a long closeout. Now you're also playing advantage basketball. So there are a lot of things that come from that. But to me, it always was about spacing. Was Pete Nance put in a position to be a threat from the perimeter? And the answer was not always. When he was and he made threes, North Carolina looked good. When he didn't and he, or when he wasn't in position and didn't make threes, they struggled. So I look back and I say, I would almost recruit every single year someone to be Brady Manning. Because that's the way the game's played. Give me a big stretch four who can shoot the three if I'm going to have a post player like an Armando Baycott. So, so I think they've, they've got the recipe. They've just got to find the right pieces and maximize the potential of those pieces to be able to maximize the potential of the group.
1: You mentioned the craziness that the offseason provides and the biggest reason why is the transfer portal. It's it it, it's changed the sport as much as anything really in the, in the history of college basketball. Carolina very active bringing guys in, but also very active basically shipping guys out. Do you think you know. it was necessary for the program to move on from Caleb Love?
0: I, I do, I do, um, and that's, I think it's hard because we say these things, and it's like, oh, that means you're crushing the kid. I'm not. It's not about the kid. It's about the group, and, and I feel like he's got to go someplace else where he can maybe assimilate to the way they play and figure out how to be what he wants to be there because here it just didn't work. There were times in the NCAA tournament two years back where R.J. Davis and Caleb Love were complimentary but they were complimentary in the sense where it was going to be Caleb's night one night to go for 25, 30 points. Maybe it was RJ's night to go for 25, 30 points. But the reality was neither of them had to do that. Not with the balance and the strength that they had. So I I do feel like they're going to have better balance with a guy like Cormac Ryan, who has confidence and swagger, but he also has the humility of experience. I think that's a big step right there. You are getting experienced guys who can shoot the ball, who have also been humbled by the realities of the game Uh, in a way it never seemed like Caleb Love was humbled by the realities of the game and part of me loves that part of me would struggle with that as a coach so so possibly a good thing to move on if he wasn't going to you know emerge more as a leader and, and a basketball share
1: when you when you look at the team this season now RJ Davis the backcourt core in theory is himself you you add a Cormac Ryan and a Paxson Wojcik two guys we'll talk about in yep. a minute Elliot Cadeau enters uh, as the most hyped freshman that we've seen enter the program in, 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 in quite some time. Then you've got, you know, the men- you mentioned Armando Baycott, the guy that feels like he's been around the program since the program started playing basketball 114 years ago. What should Carolina fans expect from these two guys as Davis is back for a senior season and Mondo's back for a super senior season?
0: Well, I think you're going to see much more wisdom. And, that, and that's the thing. And that's why we say, you know, experienced teams win in March. Well, why is that? Well, knowledge and wisdom. They just understand without having to tell them what it takes to actually win. They understand that habits do matter. You are a product of your habits. They understand that you have to be held accountable. So you're not fighting accountability. You know, a lot of times when you see, you know, talented people come in and you talk about talented freshmen coming in, what they need is they need to have seniors around them that understand what it takes to, to be good. And what that takes is humility, accountability, you know, togetherness, connectedness, all these other things that... You know, you think as a talented player, you can just come in and win. Well, R.J. Davis and and, and, and Armando Baycott will tell you it's not that easy. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot of good talent out there. There's a lot of great teams. It's not easy to just repeat a Final Four run. It, it takes all those humble things, all those little things. I always say success is merely a byproduct of doing a lot of little things right for the right reasons. That, to me, is what makes you good. If you get away from that, you struggle. So I think the the knowledge and the wisdom and that experience is probably the biggest piece and is going to be the biggest piece of their
1: success. I mentioned that Carolina was very active bringing transfers in. Harrison Ingram was the most coveted one. Uh, Huber Davis took uh, his entire staff to Dallas, Texas, to really solidify his transfer recruitment. What stands out to you about Harrison Ingram's ability uh, or abilities as a basketball player?
0: Well, versatility, number one. Um, Versatility for the Carolina program is key. We've seen guys kind of create their own role within the system. Like I I think Leaky Black did that from time to time, where it's like there are so many limitations in his game, offensively in particular, but when they were good around him and balanced around him, you're able to create your own role and your own opportunities. I think Harrison Ingram's one of those guys that can do that. I I think the first five, ten games of the season – You'll see spurts of how good he can be, but you're not going to see how impactful he'll be until you get into conference play, Till he figures out exactly what role he needs to fill on this team. It's not always going to be scoring. It's not always going to be rebounding. But this is a guy that can pass it. He understands how to move the basketball. He's been very well coached. They're, they're going to space the floor with him. He's going to play a slasher role from time to time. But again, you're talking about experience. This is a guy who's not going to come in and force his way in. He's going to feel his way in. Freshmen tend to force their way in. Experienced guys feel their way in, and there's a huge difference between that.
1: I really like the additions of Cormac Ryan and, 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 yes. and Paxson and Wojcik. Um, I think you know you got a 25-year-old in Cormac Ryan, a guy that's played <laughs> at two Power 5 programs. Paxson Wojcik you know, grew up in the Carolina basketball program with his dad being assistant when Matt Doherty was the head coach. Could those two guys turn out to be – maybe more important transfers than Ingram, even though they're maybe not as gifted uh, all, you know, with their abilities as basketball players?
0: Oh, I, I think Cormac Ryan absolutely right away, and, and it's not even whether he scores. There's going to be games where Cormac Ryan goes for 30. Like I, I, I feel like I can mm. promise you that. There's going to be games, but there might be games where he goes for five, and he struggles. How, how do you handle his struggles? That's going to be the biggest question. And, and how does he defer at times? He couldn't defer as much at Notre Dame. So how does he defer at times with the talent around him when it's not his night? I think that's going to be key for a guy like Cormac Ryan. But when you talk about Paxton Welchick, here's a guy who has a passion uh, uh, around the program. And this is viewed as a not just an opportunity, but as a responsibility to go serve this opportunity well. I always we say those are the guys I trust the most, not the ones who look at everything as an opportunity to grow my game, grow my brand, become a better pro. I look at the guys that seek out opportunities and serve them with responsibility. And I know there's a lot of semantics and philosophy behind that. But if you really stop and think about that, say, how does this guy approach being a part of this team? Well, to me, Paxton Wojcik one of those guys who, who looks at it as a responsibility to serve it well. So he's going to be humble. He's going to be hungry. And, and he's going to dawn that, that man, that, that powder blue. He's going to dawn it with a lot of pride. So I think that's cool, uh, I, as I would as a kid who grew up, man. I grew up a huge Carolina
1: fan. Elliott Cadeau arrives as the most heralded passer since Kendall Marshall. Am I overstating my bounds when I say that a reclassified freshman single handedly will change Carolina's offense? You know,
0: it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between he and Davis. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Like with freshmen, you got to give them, I almost say leash, it's not give them leash. But you've got to put slowly put more and more responsibility on him. So the responsibility you give Cadeau early is move the ball, feel out the game. You know, feel out the tempo of the game, establish the tempo of the game, get the ball moving inside out, outside in, from side to side, and and watch and feel the defense. If you can get young guys to feel the game better, they're gonna be much better when it comes to conference play in the NCAA tournament. This is a guy, you're not a good passer if you don't have good feel. He's got good feel but there is an adjustment as you move up to this level. And, and it's a significant adjustment, It's an adjustment of length. It's an adjustment of talent. It's an adjustment of scouting. So the things that you think you do best, your opponent knows what you do best too. So you have to adjust to that. So I would be very patient with him. I'd play him alongside of RJ with a responsibility of handling the basketball, but I'd also create specific situations for him to make a play where he did where he's at his most confident. Uh, so I think that's going to be a calculated thing, but, you almost have to disguise your sophistication with simple things with young freshmen. So I would push him at times. I would give him responsibility, but I would simplify his responsibilities early.
1: We're talking with John Crispin, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. A few more questions for you, John, uh, and, and, and we'll let you go. Speaking of the offense, um, you know I don't know how much of the live-action scrimmage you saw, the exhibition yep. that Carolina played a few weeks ago, something that has returned to Carolina's – Identity is the secondary break, something that yes. you know Coach Smith and, and Coach Williams made 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 really famous within the Carolina basketball program. I want you to put on your player hat, your coaching hat for me, if you will. Explain what the secondary break will do for Carolina's offense now that it appears to be back as a part of a staple of the program.
0: Well, first, first I'll say the secondary break, when when executed properly, is not secondary at all. It's it's simple flow. And when Caroline is at their best, they flow right into that secondary action. So there's the initial surge, which hits the defense. If you think about a defense just retreating back, sprinting back, the defense wants you to pull that thing back out and reset, which allows the defense to get set against whatever you're going to run. They want to see you call a play. The reason why they want to see you call a play, it's not like, look, there's the Michigan football stuff that's going on. But in scouting and basketball, we understand each action. And as a defense, you understand how to defend each action because it's something you prepared for. So you don't want to reset and allow the defense to see what you're doing. The secondary break, when it's done properly, a flow right into it and you never give the defense a chance. Um, I think it's brilliant. We call it secondary break, but really it's just motion flow offense. Uh, it gets you into quick action options. It gets you into an advantage game in terms of advantage basketball. And when you have the talent that Carolina has, you never want to let that defense stop You want to keep them chasing, force a defense to play in scramble mode for as long as possible. Then you're going to have your advantages. You play to your advantage, and the game gets easy. So, So the whole idea is don't stop your movement. Keep things flowing. The more flow you have, the better pace you have. The better pace you have, the more possessions you're going to have. The more possessions you have, you're playing into the hands of the way Carolina wants to play. So it's key, and it's not just key for what they do offensively. And this is where I think people get lost. It's key for who they are on the defensive end, too. Because the key with defense is getting your opponent to play your style, your game. You dictate the terms of that engagement. And when Carolina plays good, fast offense and flows into secondary, and that secondary flows into scoring action, then that opponent has to play fast with you. And that's where Carolina has the advantage. So th- there's, there's far more to that secondary option, that secondary break, that slow that type of offense than just the offensive side of the ball.
1: I, I want to talk to you about, about Hubert Davis because, you know, when, when you do what, what I do and, and even what you do for ESPN where you you basically critique everything they do, you, you yeah. listen to every single thing that they say, I, I listened to a head coach the first two years and whether this is fair or not, I never felt, as much as he claimed to be comfortable, I never felt like he felt comfortable being the head coach. The guy I've listened to talk this offseason seems a lot more comfortable, seems a lot more confident. And who he is as a head coach, and the type of team he has, uh, you know that, that that he'll have on the basketball court next season or this upcoming season. When you look back to last year, how much did the the, the failures fall on him? But could the could, could the failures lead him to success starting the season?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the way to look at it. I mean, they had such great success in that Final Four run, where it was almost unprecedented, um, where it was it was hard to imagine. That's that's going to continue so it's natural that you kind of take a couple steps back um, some of it falls on the coach but I think some of the best coaches know how to let their players figure things out and that's something that Hubert Davis did to a fault he let them figure things out and, they, and if you remember that's something Roy Williams did a lot too Roy mm. Williams didn't call timeout. and I love that about Roy Williams <laughs> uh, he kept the pace up but he forced players to learn on the fly and I think that's something they did a lot last year but what they found last year is, is something that no one wants to admit that they need to find. It's called humility. They found humility last year. There was a, there was expectation that they did not live up to, and they found humility. At a time when you're coming off of a Final Four run and you're all superstars and you're all talking about NIL dollars and the amount of money you're getting paid, well, that's that struggle last year, that, that brought you down a little bit. And, and you found humility, and, and there's a lot of wisdom in humility. So I, I think coaching is going to be a lot better this year. I think players are going to be more bought in. And it's not just bought into a system. It's not just bought into a coach. It's bought into one another and what it takes to actually win. So you're going to see better leadership. You're going to see better coaching. You're going to see better leaders on the floor. And I, I am excited for this program. I don't know what the feeling is. And the truth be told, I don't know if anyone knows what the real feeling is for any team in college basketball right now as fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, John. We did our bold predictions uh, j- just about a week or so ago. I predicted Carolina to go to the Final Four. Um, something yep. I did Huber Davis' first year and I ultimately uh, was proven correctly, but last year I picked him to win a national championship and I fell flat on, flat on my face. So now I'll get you out with maybe the toughest question going off the last answer you just gave me. What defines success for Carolina basketball in 2023-2024?
0: Well, part of it to me is I feel like what you're going to see this year is you're going to see the one and two beat Duke in North Carolina again, and I think first and foremost that's the best thing that can happen for the ACC. Mm -hmm. So in a way, one and two Duke in North Carolina is a successful season for North Carolina. Now you have to win one of those games. I think you beat Duke at home. Uh, You give yourselves a chance to win an ACC conference uh, championship or tournament title. I, I don't know if they win the regular season title. I think there's going to be some learning experiences along the way. But I think they'll be in position to be able to win an ACC tournament championship and then catapult themselves into the NCAA tournament. But I think you've got to beat Duke once, particularly at home. And that establishes that you are back as one of the top two teams with Duke in the in the ACC conference, which, again, is a great thing for the ACC. When it's not Duke and North Carolina, the ACC has struggled.
1: John, I lied. I said that was going to be my last question, and I've, I've got one more. And I'll, I'll be nice. transparent with you because I feel like I can be. I've been somewhat critical of the way that the ACC has been perceived, whether it's by ESPN or just the national college basketball media. But I also understand that the reputation of the ACC is determined by those two schools separated by yeah. eight miles on Tobacco Road. And in and in, 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 in your line of work is, is is that true because you know Miami went to the final four a year ago. Virginia's won a national championship. Florida State before last year's been a perennial second weekend of the tournament type of team under Leonard Hamilton. Like I look at my conference that I love and say, even when Duke and Carolina are quote unquote down, we're still a really, really good league. So if 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 Carolina and, and Duke are set to finish one and two in the ACC, what does that mean for the national perception of the conference?
0: Well look, I think it brings attention to the conference because in television, we like to talk about the teams that rate. And this is me being transparent, right? So mm-hmm. in television, the teams that rate the most, we talk about. You know, Caroline and Duke rate the most. Gonzaga rates the most. So we tend to talk about them. Kansas, same thing. When Indiana's good, particularly this year, given the, the passing of Bob Knight, there's going to be a lot of talk about Indiana this year. There's going to be a lot of talk about Purdue. They rate well. Um, so, so I think that's a part of it, but it's not a bad thing for the rest of the conference. You know, It's good when Miami is just different. Like Miami's a different team. They, they don't look like everyone else. They play. They got North Shadow Mirrors. They're big. Mm-hmm. I mean, they play small basketball, but they beat you at small basketball, and it makes them dangerous in the NCAA tournament. I think Syracuse is going to be much better this year, and we need to serve that well. But I think the other thing that I want to point out why we didn't talk as much about the ACC is we don't want to point out just when teams are down, but the other thing is Louisville. Louisville is a blue blood. Yeah. And when they're at the bottom of the conference, it's not good for the conference. I say the same thing about the Big Ten. When Indiana's not good, it hurts the conference. And it doesn't it's not a favoritism thing, but it's important for the conference to have your blue bloods at the top. So somehow, some way you gotta get Louisville back to the point where they're relevant towards the top of the standing. And then you start to see North Carolina, Duke, Miami. Louisville, you know, Virginia is always going to be around there. Then get Syracuse back up into the mix. When you start to get those brands, those big name brands in basketball back at the top of the standings, the ACC becomes nationally recognized again. So, so part of it's up to us as, as analysts to, to share the stories and, and say what's really going on, create a better narrative around the conference. But the other part, it, it's up to the teams in the conference to show us that they're worth talking about.
1: That is the voice of John Crispin. He is an ESPN college basketball, analyst. he'll be on your TV screen in, 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 in full force starting next week as the college basketball season does get underway. John, I want to thank you for being open, honest, transparent with me, if you will, and can't wait to see you on my television screen talking uh, college basketball.
0: Yeah, man, it should be fun. Once, once these games start, we'll start to figure out who's who.
1: Yeah, and once we do, I'll have to bring you back on to talk about the Tar Heels, no matter if they're at the top of the ACC or back down. So, John, I just want to thank you again for your time, and uh, we'll talk later down the road. Okay, my man?
0: Hey, man, my pleasure. Anytime.
1: There you go, guys. That is the voice of John Crispin, ESPN College basketball analyst, one of my favorite guys. In the business, because he is very open and honest and transparent, he allows me to ask questions about, you know, ESPN's coverage of the conference that Carolina plays in, and he tells us why it is that the way that it is. So, um, I, I think he's. Um, what, what, one of the better guys we have in our sport covering college basketball because there's a passion there. Um, you, you can hear it in his voice that, that he loves. He loves college basketball. Um, he grew up a lifelong Tar Heel fan despite beating them in the NCAA tournament back in, 2000, uh, in uh, 2001. So can't, uh, can't wait to talk to him later on down the road. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, guys, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, that's heeltoughblog.com where um you, you will see an article, and we, we didn't get into it on this edition of the podcast because I'll wait for Anthony to be back when we preview the Radford game. Carolina basketball lost a giant. Um, Walter Davis passed away earlier this week at the age of 69. We've got an article up about about you know just the life and the legacy of of him because he is you know one of the foundational pieces of Carolina basketball under Coach Smith. Like I mentioned, once Anthony's back, we're, we're, we're going to dedicate a whole segment of the next podcast really talking about his life and legacy, so you can read that. I've got an article up about Hubert Davis and evaluating him after two seasons, comparing his first two seasons on the job to Frank McGuire's Coach Smith, Bill Guthridge, Matt Doherty, and Roy Williams, as we try to really figure out uh, what Carolina has in it and its current head coach. So you can find that on the website, As for Football. They're, uh, they're, they're hosting Campbell this weekend. Anthony will have you cover the preview, recap, and a stock report of that game as well. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any game preview, any game recap, or any great interview like this one with John Crispin. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, what that is, is that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Want to thank John Crispin once again for joining me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.
0: get any sweeter than that